Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to Pint Glass Preachers. My name is Tom. You really should know this by now. And with me are Gabe and Josh. Welcome to our 50th episode. Our 50th episode. And to commemorate this, we're going to be drinking beer from another big anniversary, the anniversary of the Reformation, which, if you remember, was an incredibly contentious episode where Gabe and Josh just yelled at each other for an hour, which was pretty awkward. And we heard as much from us from some of you, the listener. Well, buckle up, because this episode is going to feature a lot of yelling that pits Gabe and Tom against Josh. I know this because we intended to talk about something completely different, got onto a tangent, and it forced me to go back and re-record this intro so it actually makes sense. So, you know, this should be fun. By the way, Josh is totally wrong on this one. Yeah, that was good. That, that was, was a really killer good. intro, right? That was a really good intro. Really good. Yeah. You're really right, good. now your other one does look like crap. Yeah. <laughs> I've literally built my entire life on setting the bar low uh, because I just do that. And then if I do anything, it's like, oh, he's standing upright. Give him a gold medal. You know, like it's it's just it's really we're never surprised when you trip over it. And that's the thing. Exactly. Ironically, ironically, Gabe, we've set ourselves up for the opposite of that, as we were just discussing and preparing for this little speaking engagement you and I have this summer. It's true, friends. We set the bar too high. It's true. Uh, Josh and I are, are speaking at a camp in northern Michigan this summer, and we've been prepping, and we're a little behind, and we're a little nervous because we did because we did well last time, and so now people expect us to do well, and who knows? It could be awful. Yeah, we're going to have to limbo underneath that bar and hopefully not knock it over or fall backwards and make fools of ourselves. That's true. Well, hey, I'm going to pull vault over it. Oh, hey, there, I'm going to high jump over it. You know, hey. do one of those things where you run and like you curl your back, you know, and land on that comfy mat. If I never there's a body that. type that can do it, it's yours, Josh. Oh, uh, I could never do that. <laughs> I never could do that. I actually high jumped in junior high. I was not very good. Yeah, you know what? You know this where is I was a terrible podcast. I was, con- I was confined to the shot put circle in junior high. <laughs> Why? Because that's where you put the fat kids. <laughs> oh, you're fat. You should be able to throw this steel ball farther than anyone. Why don't you spin in a circle and do it? <laughs> but I tell you what, though. Took home a few uh, blue ribbons in that shot put circle. I you, it. you want to hear about my track experience? Yes. I went out for track and they're like, oh, we want you to do the uh, the 800. I'm like, how many times do you want me to run around this track? And they told me <laughs> twice. I'm like, hard pass. I'm out. <laughs> That's two times too many. Yeah. That's right. Uh, man, guys, let's just get into it. Tonight, yes, because we have such a special announcement. It's so amazing. We, who wants? We, we received it's so amazing. We don't know who's going to talk about it. it. I don't we, know. So someone else do it. We received the gift in the mail. Uh, from a just wonderful listener uh, by the name of Dave Gibbons, uh, just an incredible guy, a real Renaissance man, actually, and uh, like just the definition of the word, but but also a gentleman. And uh, he sent us a gift from Germany. Uh, it's the the Luther Beer Pilsner uh, that I believe was made in honor of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Uh, must have been really inspired by our episode, which, by the way, I've received several comments on saying that was the most awkward thing I've ever listened to in my entire life. <laughs> which one? Uh, our Reformation episode, which is basically oh. just you and me yelling at each other. Oh, gosh. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. But at any rate, Dave, 
bought he, all he, three of us this beer, mailed it to each one of us. With and, a lovely glass. Too. And an awesome glass that came with it. With Luther's face on it. Yep. Just so grateful to, for him to that. And so I, I don't know about you guys. Hold on. Before we do a little yeah. prost to him, um, I don't know about you, but I got this little piece of literature yes. uh, that goes because Einbecker is the brewery, or in Germany, you'd say that Brauerei that uh, did it, I think. I can't remember from high school German or not. But on the front of this little piece of literature, uh, it uh, has a picture of Luther with a thumbs up and a frothy beer in his hand. And it says, Luther's Lieblingsbeer. <laughs> that means Luther's favorite beer. So, is that right? I don't yeah, even know what that, it is. Yeah, it does. It means oh, wow. Luther's favorite beer. Yeah, so Einbecker, good for you. Good for you that you've been brewing ever since the days of Martin Luther. Mm, we love it. All right, and with that. And so with that, to Dave Gibbons. To Dave. Drink this beer. Prost. Prost. I once dropped a ladder on Dave Gibbons' face. Mm, he still looks good. Whoa. Yeah, and, and and apparently likes us enough to still send me a beer. So mm-hmm. that's actually a really good pilsner. It's a really good beer. Wow. Yeah. I'm not I'm not usually a pilsner fan, but that is delightful. Turns Especially, out, I don't know what it's like there, but it's about 95 degrees here and hot and muggy, and a uh, a cold pilsner is tasting very good right now. Ooh, a fantastically cold pilsner. And I don't know about you, but Dave sent me a very nice letter. Same Co- here. Commending commending the podcast. Commending yep. um me as someone who's never met him yet a friend somehow yep he's man he's a classy guy truly a gentleman like you said yes with that said uh friends today is a big day for a couple reasons number one it is our 50th episode full-length episode so we've done it 50 times and if you've listened to every episode man god bless you there's a special place in heaven for you and just thanks for doing it and for all the That's support we've gotten, such such terrible theology. Please don't ever ruin our theological credit oh, with something okay. like that again. Oh my gosh, you're right. It is bad, but it doesn't if matter. If you listen to all 50 episodes, an angel got its wings. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you for your support over the last couple of years, friends. We do appreciate it. Thank you for the reviews, for the likes on Facebook, for sharing it with your friends. Uh, this isn't possible without you guys, uh, the good listener. And if uh, we didn't have you, we would have no one listening to us. The three of us would probably still talk, but it would be nowhere near as fun. And so thank you guys for making this possible. It's a, a passion project for each one of us. And uh, we're grateful for you to uh, continue to support us. And along those lines of supporting us, um, like Gabe said, what we mostly need is you to listen and and tell tell your friends and and advocate for us so that we can continue to get more listeners and and reach a broader audience with with the gospel. Uh, but there are some things that that we need to do to make that happen, and one of that is there is a, a small funding issue of of not only paying for the platform, uh, playing paying for some of the equipment, some of the swag that we want to send out, uh, and then just some a little bit of the advertising and and. Uh, boosting posts and things like that that will really help us reach more and more people. And to do that, we've created a GoFundMe uh, campaign called Tap the Keg. Uh, and we would love it if you would go out and just shoot us a couple bucks. We're not asking for a ton. Um, if each one of our good listeners would, were to throw us a couple dollars, we'd uh, we'd have more than enough to continue to support us for the next couple of years. And so you can do that by going to GoFundMe.com. Uh, you can find us by gofundme.com backslash tap the keg, or you can probably go to the search bar and look up pint glass preachers, tap the keg. Um, either way, you you guys have all done GoFundMes. You guys can figure it out. Thank you. And we really do appreciate that support if you're able to do that. It's just a one-time gift and it really helps us 
continue to make this product and uh, hopefully help uh, foster good conversations for you and uh, for your friends. Yeah. And we, and we, Dr. Oh. Brian O'Neill, who is featured on science with Brian and has been on the podcast multiple times. He got the ball rolling. He threw a five spot down. That's enough for a Frappuccino. That's right. Give it up people. But we're not spending it on Frappuccinos. We're spending it on on hosting the podcast so that it actually is linked up to iTunes. Not paying me to edit it because clearly we know what happens half the episodes that I do that. Ain't that the truth. The sound just disappears. Gabe is swearing. We're making inappropriate jokes. I get emails from people. It's bad. It's bad. Hello, friends. Hope you enjoyed that short break. Maybe even grab yourself a nice cold brew. It's not from Germany. I can guarantee you that. Because Dave only sent us beer from Germany. <laughs> not to make you feel bad, but just another shout out to Dave Gibbons. Thanks, man. Appreciate this beer. Uh, I'm sorry. That was uncalled for. <laughs> As we record this 50th anniversary episode in commemoration of all the hard work and labor and listening that you and I and us together have put in on Pine Glass Preachers, I'm reminded of another recent commemorational weekend. Yes, I made that word up. It was Memorial Day weekend this past weekend, and you probably saw lots of American flags flying. If you were here in Southeast Tennessee, there were no barbecues to smoking because it was pouring down rain. But I know many of you probably celebrated Memorial Day weekend as we honored our veterans and those who have fallen and continue to serve in um, service of this country and protection of this country. And uh, as I was thinking about this uh, Memorial Day weekend, I, I was reminded of a story that a good friend of the podcast and advocate for us here at Pine Cost Preachers, one John Daney, a reverend from Cape Girarda, Missouri, once told me that uh, on his first uh, basically year at his church, he showed up and he was driving into the church parking lot on Memorial Day weekend, so the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, right? And as he's pulling up into the parking lot, literally every square inch of dirt, grass, gravel that could accept the thrust of a tiny American flag <laughs> was just littered and planted with these little flags. He Cracks said, like, in the asphalt, it was ev- just wild. You just name it, and it was there, all right? And he said there were just like hundreds, if not like thousands of these things. And he was just confused as to why. And apparently it was this church's celebration and commemoration each Memorial day to, to put out all these flags, right. To really demonstrate their pride um, in the country and, and to honor, uh, you know, all the servicemen and women and that kind of thing. Right. And he, he was telling me the story because like it took almost two or three years and, and lots and lots of arguments and battles uh, no pun intended in order to just even reduce the amount of American flags that were just covering this church building. And there were a whole bunch of other conversations as well, but it was just reminding. It was just one of those stories. I'm like, man, I've never had to deal with that, but it's Memorial day. So I'm sure stuff like that happens all over the place. So let me ask something real quick on that though, Josh. And then I have a bit of an anecdote that hopefully will lead us uh, to where we want to go next. But 
Um, why would he want to reduce the number of flags? Just for, for the good listener, what, what would be his motivation? Why not have a thousand flags? It's Memorial Day. Yeah, well, I think the motivation is that that, that can cause confusion as far as um, identity of the church as place. Um, you know, yes, the in Romans, Paul talks about honoring those who have been put in government and, and as established by God and that kind of thing. However, um, I think it bordered on hypernationalism, which isn't something that at least as Lutherans we tend to identify with uh, or kind of prop up as something that's valuable and or helpful uh, with our engagement in culture. So I'm not speaking for him cause I'm not going to divulge his own thoughts and opinions on, on, uh, the struggles with that, but that's, that's where I kind of land on things. Yeah. So th- there is this tension that those of us that are in the church face where we say, Hey, like what we call it, two kingdoms. I'm not going to go through it. We've talked about it on another podcast, but where we say like our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus. And so it gets, con- but that doesn't mean we aren't patriotic doesn't mean we don't care about our country, but it does mean that we don't want to confuse what it means to be aligned with Lordship of Jesus and uh, the the government or the country that we happen to find ourselves in. Uh, so with that in mind, here's my Memorial Day story from this last weekend. Uh, so we're doing this series right now uh, called Generous Justice, where we're looking at how God's grace makes us just, makes us care for the poor and the disenfranchised in our world. And uh, I brought in a guy that that I interviewed who um, who runs a recovery community um, in my city, and and he's just an incredible guy, does some awesome stuff. And and beforehand, before I interviewed him, he and I were talking before uh, our worship service, and um, and I was like, hey man, like I heard you know Shane Claiborne, and for those of you who don't know, Shane Claiborne is kind of a, a radical voice of following Jesus in, in the Christian Church in America, and I've been greatly influenced by a lot of his his books. And I was like, that's so cool. And he's like, yeah, he said, you know, I'm, I'm part of this organization with him called Consistent Life. He said, because because I'm a pacifist and, and I'm really just deeply about pacifists pursuing peace at all costs, uh, that sort of deal. And I was like, oh, really cool, man. That's really cool. And then and then we went and service started. We did our thing. And then it was Memorial Day. And, you know, again, because we sit in this tension of saying like, hey, yes, Jesus is Lord. And yet, as uh, Josh mentioned Romans 13, St. Paul talks about how we submit to the government, how God's given them the sword. And so it was Memorial Day. And so after worship, I said, hey, if you served our country in the armed forces, I'd like you to stand and uh, just so we can recognize you and thank you for for your service. And it was about the most awkward thing in the entire world to have to look over at this guy who I was just like, cool, you're a pacifist. And then watch him figure out whether or not he should applaud uh people for something he didn't believe in when clearly the entire room around him was celebrating these folks. So it was, uh, it was an awkward moment that I, that I really teed up for myself, but uh story of my life, I guess. You know, that's such an interesting thing because I think that's a, you're not applauding. I, I, I think past how you laid it out there, the pacifist, the pacifist isn't getting what we are saluting and celebrating we're celebrating people who have sacrificed time away from family sacrificed injury and potential death um for their country something that's bigger than themselves Uh, we're not applauding violence we're not applauding hostile takeovers or whatever we may disagree and i mean this is the whole thing between vietnam and, and and subsequent wars is that we're not applauding like oh super excited that we're that we're we're over killing people in Afghanistan 
it's we're applauding the soldiers for for sacrificing something greater than themselves. Yeah, but I think to to come at it from a slightly different angle, um, but I think it I still I still think it applies is like, you know, there exists a thing called like law enforcement week, right? If you were to if Gabe were to do that exact same exercise and recognize members of law enforcement at the end of end of a worship service, you'd probably get I, I'm guessing, Gabe, you'd probably get a similar response, right? Yeah. I could not, even if I wanted to, I could not at the end of one of my worship services say, hey, let's all recognize law enforcement. Because for my people in my community, law enforcement has an incredibly negative um, experiential connotation to it. You know what I mean? So I think that for this pacifist, if I had to guess, it would be that because he's so against it or stands for against what not the individual soldier or military person is or what they've done, but just kind of war in general, I think it would be this, the same kind of like lack of palatability. Yeah. But, but again, that, that, that's misguided because you could have a bunch of people because we do this too, a Memorial Day on Veterans Day and things like that. We ask those people who have served to stand up and three fourths of them have never fired a gun in combat. No, but I understand that. But Not like, some of them are Coast Guard, some of them are, are have, are, not, uh, you know, part, part of the National Guard. And so they they have not been part of war, but we are still we are still saluting them for their service. Yeah, but see, I think that's where the confusion can can lie yeah, because what because what if I because there's a distinction between well, the individual yeah. and the corporate entity. Yeah. Like I'm pretty much a pacifist. Like I'm not a big fan of war and I never have been. And so for me, I will no matter what church I pastor, and this is just a personal preference. I have nothing against military uh, servicemen and women. I will never have people who serve like on Memorial Day, Veterans Day. I don't even like give it a nod. Like I literally have never referenced those types of of nationalistically focused holidays in the churches that I've served. Dude, so all right, a billion you've, things. You've, you've never done a Thanksgiving deal. So, a Thanksgiving deal. No. So for, so first I don't of talk all, about Thanksgiving as like pilgrims and stuff. Is that what you're talking about? First of all, Gabe's talking. So listen, one, <laughs> one is to to be fair to this gentleman who is with us. He he did applaud uh, and was was very polite about it. Two, Tom, to your point, I get what you're saying, right? Like it's not applauding violence. It's not applauding war. It's applauding those who served. And yet, from the lens. I would argue of a true pacifist, it ends up applauding, quite frankly, the American war machine. Uh, whether whether you agree with it or not, that these sorts of acts uh, sort of, uh, what's the word? They, they, they sort of build into these rhythms and build into this culture of war that we have in this country. And so for the pacifists, at least in the language that I've heard, like they would be in general pretty uncomfortable with this. It's not about the, because we all serve, everyone serves in some way. We're, we're, so that's that's not really the point. The point is these are the guys or gals that served in uh, as part of the American war machine would perhaps be the language that that a pacifist might use behind it. Mm -hmm. And so it is an uncomfortable situation for that individual. I, I, I and I would I would understand that. Josh, to your point, like. I'm going to be really mean to you. I, that's fine. No one's pro war. Like, no, I mean, I guess there's some like jerk out there that's pro war, but like, no one's pro war. It's the idea of saying, like, is there a point though where force is necessary? This is not the direction we're taking the podcast tonight, but 
that so so to me the thing is to say like if i thought it was necessary for us to you know protect innocent lives in world war ii when when jews are being slaughtered is it possible that there's times in the modern world where you know we need to protect innocent people and we may have to use force to do it yeah and so i to me i think it, it sits in a, a place of of absolute privilege to kind of just say no nah, i'm not i'm not gonna have anything to do with that messiness of violence like no i actually think that your position exemplifies the position of privilege and the seat of privilege more than mine does because what you're basically saying is it is our job um as the american kind of like dominant political system in the world our global no, democracy no, that we've no, been pushing to no. protect those innocent children yes because look at dude okay look at the vietnam conflict all right Look at Afghanistan, the yeah. hot mess in Iraq. Look at all of those things that we did under less than savory auspice and, and have gotten ourselves into a hot mess. And, and then we can kind of play it off by saying, well, we're, we're protecting uh, democracy. We're trying to protect no, the lives of innocent people. Like, why are we in Syria then? You know what I'm saying? Why are we no, dropping troops into Syria? You are absolutely right, Josh. Your your point is correct, but but not in conjunction to what Gabe was talking about. When Gabe brought up the Holocaust, we could be taking this from the point of view of any other nation or person. Gabe and I have had this conversation before a long time ago where we were talking about, you know, if you're a true pacifist, then you will never do violence against another person. So when you walk into your home and someone is doing violence to your children or wife, that you're just going to sit there and say like, mm, hey, excuse me, I'd really like you to stop. No, yep. you are going to do violence on okay, that person. Okay, so the, so then you might call you might call police officers to come and do violence on that person. Yep. Okay, so if you and guys so, want to go down this road, Tom and Gabe, then let's talk about this. In World War II, while we were yes, protecting the Jewish people from the attempt by Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin to like mass exterminate all of them, right? While we were doing that, we were also criminalizing the very same types of people in our own country internment yeah. camps with the japanese like that's yeah. why like we did we were you know what I mean? what we were i'm doing. not disagreeing with that uh, that you're right that wasn't good that i'm just saying i'm just saying not, what is wrong so it doesn't let's make back not defending what, people that are innocent like not okay like, like i'm like, not saying it's not okay but what fallen it, it world seems, force is necessary that, that's sometimes. fine that's fine i'm not saying it's not okay and i'm not i would be in the same boat as that pacifist dude in your congregation i would be applauding and standing up and letting people and, and recognizing them. You know, if someone, if I know someone who's served, like I've got friends who have served in the military, either active or reserve duty. And I'm like, Hey man, yeah, like good for you. Thanks for doing that. Cause I don't want to do it. But at the same time, it seemed like you both got super defensive when I said that in the churches that I've served and in the future, I would not incorporate that into, um, like my own worship experiences or what I would do as far as shepherding a church. That's no, what no, it seemed no. like you guys like went no, off no, no, and was no. like, Oh, you can't say you would never do this because then you're like saying F you to all these, you know, servicemen and women. No, no, no. I was, I got defensive because it seemed like you were making this a race thing right away because that the, this is our privilege as Americans and things like that. I'm like, no, th like this is, this should be the viewpoint of anybody against other people. If, if you are seeing innocent people, if you are from middle of Central Asia and you are seeing someone next to you doing violence and you should stop that, you should feel that it is your right and your duty it's, to go dude, and protect. But it's only right in the eye of the person who thinks they're in the right. So, for example, like 
we we are militant as Americans in spreading democracy. We think that is the only viable form of government, right? And yeah. yet, like, so then why aren't we in every single country that is autocratic or dictatorship? Yeah. Like, why aren't we still active on the Korean Peninsula? Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, we can't just say on the one hand, like, we it, it is our job. Like, we're supposed to do this, like, for crying babies and dying moms and stuff like that in random yeah. countries. But at the same time, we pick and choose. And yeah. why? Most of it is fiscal. Because yeah. we're either going to make money off it or we're going to lose too much money doing it or import-export opportunities. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. I'm just saying. You want to believe it is, Tom. No, 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 no. Josh, you took the argument from the base human response to yeah. violence on somebody else and you made it into a more high-minded yeah. thing about spreading democracy or racism or things like that. I'm saying if someone across the street is getting beat up, it is my – it yes – it's my privilege and my duty to go over and stop that. Whether I am in the middle of Rwanda or I'm in America or I'm in Canada or wherever. And yeah. I'm not taking this to the next level. We were talking about the base principles of pacifism. Okay. That's, some, that's, that's the thing. Or I mean, Josh, that's the thing. Like, I don't think Tom and I disagree with you at all. I, I think we don't, the, the we don't consistencies in our country in terms of whether or not we police the globe, like is not good. And maybe we shouldn't do it as much as we do. The point is though, there are places where evil men hurt people and sometimes good men step in and stop it or good women step in and stop it. Okay. And no doubt. No doubt. Okay. So, okay. Let me ask you a question. I'm not doing this just to antagonize and turn this into a 500th anniversary of the reformation. Awkward episode. All right. <laughs> I, I, I am sincere in this question. I have no ulterior motive. Where do we see a mandate for what you just described? So in scripture? yeah, so is there a biblical mandate that says I see someone across the street getting beat up that I am commanded in love of neighbor to go yeah, that, to love go, your neighbor? Go, you actually go, just said it. You go <laughs> kill that person or to beat them up. So to every fight, so every so on the base human level, every fight I see, I am called to go whoop the person who started no, the fight. No Every situation. It, no, that's such an absurd thing. No, it's Josh, not absurd. You, you are to use force as necessary to protect the innocent from being harmed. If I can get, if, if, if in the example of someone getting mugged across the street, if I can simply insert myself between the mugger and the muggy, and that is enough to get them away, then I've done my job and move. But if the, if the attacker continues to move on, I will then push or shove or do something. If they bring out a weapon, yeah, I'm gonna punch them in the face and try to and try to get that weapon away from them. And if and and then if I get their weapon and they pull another weapon, then we might have I just want to know exactly. I just want to I just exactly. want to know listen, I just want to know the extrapolation from from love of neighbor that you guys are coming from because I recall in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter was trying to do that exact same thing and Jesus not only told him to put the sword away, but he but he put Malchus's ear back on. Yeah. So, bro, in, here's good, the in a good Samaritan, the good Samaritan didn't come through and like go find those robbers and highwaymen and oh, like annihilate that's them. Different. That's revenge. That's different. I'm just saying. I, I'm just. I. I. I I'm just. I Josh, get. Here's the, here's the deal. Let me let me let me get you out of John Lennon's Imagine Land and bring you into reality. Imagine all the people. Living for today. Is that the way? Are those words? I don't know. It doesn't matter. If we can get through one podcast without you guys singing, bring me to back to reality. Listen, okay. Here, let me. So Shane Claiborne, who is a true pacifist, right? Not for the sake of fashion. He says that. Yeah, cargo pants 
those died a long, long time ago, Shane. <laughs> I'm sorry. Together. I love you, but yeah. At any rate, so he's you know he's obviously been pushed on this, right? Like, well, what would you do if X, right? Worst thing imaginable. You're you're seeing someone be assaulted in in the worst way you could think of. He says, what would you do? You wouldn't use force to stop this this evil man from from harming an innocent person. And Shane says, uh, I wouldn't use force. He says, what I'd do is is I'd go over there and I'd take off my clothes and I'd start running around naked and clucking like a chicken. And I would just distract him and I would just do something silly to, to throw off the situation. And it's like, like, that's cute, Shane. But yeah. Okay. What, what about nonviolent resistance? Like we saw during the civil rights movement where, that's great. where you had, yeah, but see, that's what I'm saying. Like, so there, it, see, it just seems to me that like the, the go-to for you two clever play on words was use of force, necessary force, right? I'm going to intervene forcefully. And yet at the same time, when you see a lot of nonviolent resistance, not just here in America with the civil rights movement, but look at Gandhi and others, the the same type of quote unquote force was basically allowing yourself to endure the same torment or trial or beatings or yep. water hosing along with your neighbor. So I'm cool with like I, I will I will I will I will concede the point that force can be used in a in a biblical love of neighbor way. All right, I'll give that to you guys. But at the same time, I am just uncomfortable with the emphasis on force as the initial go-to I agree. In, in love of neighbor it's, or protection I, of the weak. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Okay. No, but every time I brought anything up, you guys were like, if I had to go you kill him, I'd kill him. No, you no. didn't even listen to my example. You did. You're like, if it went tit for tat and he pulled no. out a knife and I Joe, pulled out a No, you're Joe. missing the point. No, I'm going to say it again. If there was a pe person getting mugged across the street, I would go over there and I would insert myself in between the two. So, so far, I have not raised my hand or struck anybody. I have simply inserted myself in wait, between two wait, people. Wait. Hold on, hold is on. Is that violence, pause. Josh? Pause. Is that pause. violence? No, no let me, that no, let me please pause. You're telling me that when your adrenaline is flowing, Tom O'Neill, you see Gabe getting – no, forget that. You see, you, see, you see someone getting mugged that you know across the street. You're going to walk over and just like – physically insert yourself in between the person getting mugged and the mugger like okay, you just josh, walk okay, over there and yes, do that that's yes, not, not reasonable what yes. are you gonna do josh what are you gonna do you're gonna go call a committee meeting a better response that you have i would walk over and hug them both and say let's reconcile yeah, you no you wouldn't <laughs> josh, josh your point your point no is no and that's, if i saw someone if i saw someone being mugged i would run over there and like probably try to tackle the person sure. who's doing the you're mugging. jumping right to violence josh you're jumping no, right to. i don't violence. think that's violence though because me tackling someone would just like mildly annoy them Yes, you're right, Josh. That that like as as I'm running over, I would yell and hoping that maybe me yelling and drawing attention would push them off. But yes, you're right. Yeah, I'd probably just tackle the guy or push him away. But then, yes, if it continues to escalate and the person continues to come at me and the person he's already assaulted, then yes, I might use I might get into some fisticuffs. I might mm -hmm. do that. Mm, but I think that is a justified response. That's fine. Yeah, something I that's happening. So I'm not jumping right to pulling out my gun and shooting him. I'm just I'm just uncomfortable with the culture around all of these around all of these examples that we've talked about for the last 50 or discussed lively the, for the last 15 minutes because the culture around a lot of these institutions is not will use force when necessary. It tends to be filled with like bravado and a first move to like wanting to demonstrate power through the use of force. That's all I'm trying to get at. It can be. And we don't disagree with you on that, Josh. We're, I don't think. We're just being realistic and saying 
there are places when force is necessary. That's all we're saying. And there's people who have chosen to put themselves in harm's way uh, to apply that force. Whether it's in the right spot or not, I don't know. But there's people who've chosen to put themselves in harm's way to apply that force. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to acknowledge that and honor them for it. Okay. Mm, man, I'm really going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> Bro, you get in trouble for so much else. As, so, so much this else. Is nothing. This, but, this really is no. nothing for our like two, 100 listeners. But so, okay. Oh my gosh. All right. So Josh, before, for, hold on for the, for the world war two, like what I've noticed, what I've observed when you, when you read books or watch documentaries, I'm not talking about like band of brothers, right. Okay. But like actual documentaries, 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 <laughs> it's like going European for a little bit, um, actual documentaries, um, of the way that, as young men in particular, if we're talking about like World War II, right? We're kind of like riled up to to make to choose to make this sacrifice, right? To put their lives in, in danger. Yeah. Okay. The the rhetoric and the propaganda, and I don't mean that in like an antagonistic kind of way, but just like propaganda in its proper sense, like right, right. a recruitment tool. Yep. Um, public communication tool. It was more like a vilifying yep. the other human being yep. not we need to protect our country because force is necessary yeah so yes i i will I, like i said i concede I, I totally agree that force is necessary in some ways but if we look at the american war machine yep what is the typical messaging with our war machine our our american system of of making war whether justified or not it is yeah. usually a a vilification of other not a love of other like they weren't recruiting people to go to europe to save the jews who were dying well, right we didn't know the, about the jews part. until the end of they the were war, saying so. look at crazy you know like look at the right. crazy japs who are going to come eat your babies or like right. hitler well, and the nazis are going to ruin your life you want to know something, Josh? It's because Marketing 101 says putting out a poster, hey, we'd like you to come and do this thing where you will probably have a 50% chance of dying or severely maiming yourself. And when you get back, you're not going to be liked very much and you're going to have a hard time getting a job. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, but, but, what I'm saying, no, but what I'm saying is I, I think that I think that, that the argument of saying these people, like the, the, the propping up onto a pedestal, the motive – for all military personnel, I think is is just a straw man. Right. But Josh, if you go back to your if you go back to your example of your documentaries or documentaries, as you want us to call them, um, <laughs> go back and watch the other ones where Japan had been taking over island by island and nation by nation, the entire Pacific Southwest for for a long time. And when they finally took decided to make Hawaii part of that and bombed us that dragged us into the war. But for a long time, there had been a lot of political maneuverings and trying to say, Hey, Japan, why don't you hold off for a little bit? Why don't you not do all of this? It wasn't like they just surprised everybody on the same day. Like there were, they were trying to stop Japan through political channels. I mean, and, listen, that, and, and Hawaii was the last straw. Forget modernity. Let's take this back to the Bible. Since I'm a pastor and a theologian. There it is. I was recently confronted by something as I was as I was talking to a group of people in South Chattanooga, right? 
if you look at the or actually it, it's in, with this political um not political this coalition of organizations who are trying to work towards justice in our city all right and the name everyone selected was caleb and they selected the name caleb for really poor exegetical reasons meaning that caleb and joshua were the only two spies that when they went to seek out the promised land said even though they're giants and they're huge and they're powerful and wealthy and rich we can defeat them so they took that example and said we're going to name ourselves Caleb because even though we're the smaller, the the oppressed, blah, 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 and we're facing down like powerful organizations and corporate entities, we can defeat them, right? Okay. Now, poor exegesis aside, I, I stood up and I said, hey, can we actually make this a little bit more biblically faithful to what the story was, right? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. Just you, you go in and, and tell us how we can do that. And I was confronted because as I went into the story of Joshua and Caleb and the conquest of Canaan, the, the irony was not lost on me that here we are part of a community organizing coalition that is seeking justice and equity and to avoid displacement of particularly low-income communities of color. And here we are using the name of a tool of God to displace nations out of the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. So I'm so on the one hand, I'm kind of confronted by this, not just with World War II or Vietnam or Afghanistan or Iraq, but if I think about it, I'm like, okay, here was a mandate, a dicta, you know, a, a commandment, direct commandment from God that He was going to essentially eliminate, annihilate, displace indigenous populations to give to His people, which is what we as Americans, manifest destiny, etc., has largely built our kind of global conquest or, or the the permission we've given ourselves to be kind of like the, the global police. We build that upon. Well, that's the interest. I've, I've often said this, right? We were having, you know, I was talking to someone about, you know, the Quran, the Quran talks about, you know, just completely obliterating the infidel. And it's this genocidal kind of, kind of rhetoric. And I was like, yeah, our old Testament has the same thing, starting with, you know, Joshua and Caleb coming into the promised land. They just go through and they commit genocide on a number of, of people groups. And then God even gets pissed at them when they left a couple too many alive. Yeah. And so, and so I, I was like, how do you get, how do you get so worked up over, over what's said in the Quran when our Bible says the exact same thing? And so, yeah, I get the irony that you're, that you're hearing because how do we reconcile that as Christians when, when a good portion of our Bible is, is God wiping people out? Well, one, on that note, yeah. On that note, let's talk about rainbows. No, I on on one hand, Tom, I think that's a bit overstated. It is not a good portion of the Bible. There's there's no, I, there's there's actually really only one section, and it's quite frankly not that long, not that long a time period where this happens. But it does happen, and it is a major issue, and and people have dealt with it in a variety of ways. Um, some folks I've got friends who are pacifists say like. Yeah, God never actually said to do that. Like that was written into the Old Testament to justify this horrible thing that the Israelites did. And if we read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, then there's just no way that that was actually what Yahweh commanded. So that's a nice way to to skirt the issue. I've heard other theologians say, well, listen, you understand, like the Canaanites were not good people, which which is true. Like they were sacrificing their kids. They were like Molech. Yeah, they were committing pretty 
heinous acts of of sexuality. Uh, even even by modern standards, they were like just gross. Uh, and and so God, like it was an area, and He knew it infects His people, and I just had to purify the thing. And it's God's justice, and He can do what He wants. Um, now there's folks kind of like me who are like, yeah, man, that's pretty brutal, and I don't get it, but. I don't know. God generally seems to know what he's doing. So maybe I should just shut up and listen. Yeah, man, um, it fits, I think it fits into the scandal of particularity as well, yep. which is that God chose that certain race and a certain place to send this Messiah that would eventually, you know, reconcile all of these tough histories and hard truths. Yep. Through his death and resurrection. So like on the one, like I said, on the one hand, I'm just, it was just one of those things that kind of caught me off guard because I was like, it's ironic. We're trying to fight against displacement but utilizing a character that was kind of a chief character in displacement. Yeah. Um, although, well, actually I'll do it. So the other thing though, is to say, I don't know, God promised them that land. Like the Canaanites shouldn't have been there. So who's really being displaced is, is that Israel had been displaced by the people that were there that shouldn't have been there. And so God's just saying, Hey, here's your stuff. Take it back. Yeah. That sounds a lot like what we did to the first nations peoples. God promised well, us you're right. America, yeah, man, that's bad. so yeah. we're taking it. <laughs> yeah, except, yeah, the difference there being, though, like, Manifest Destiny was completely made up by human beings, and at least the way I understand it is this was commanded by God. So For sure. But that, that would also, be the difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we've we brought in the Muslims. We are talking as Christians. We certainly shouldn't neglect our Jewish brothers and sisters. This is exactly what is perpetuating the system and the crisis in the Middle East, though, is without a recognition of Messiah of Jesus as Messiah. Yep. The Jews continue to see to this day Israel, the, the physical location as that promised land. And so then, therefore, those Palestinian Arabs um, are do not belong there. This is their land. They are just as bad as the Canaanites in their mind. You know what I mean? So therefore, they should be displaced. And typically, Americans side with Israel. Welcome back from the break. We are glad to have you with us here as we wrap up this episode in which, uh, let's just say things got heated, but Josh would never use force to resolve any sort of conflict. I wouldn't would say just... that the episode got heated. That's too forceful in and of itself. Heat is a destructive force, Gabe. You're too busy pulling out an acoustic guitar and singing Kumbaya, and all of a sudden just all the hatred in our hearts is just going to melt away because Indeed. of your gentle touch. Yeah. Yes. I'm gl I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah, we're finally That's on the, the same episode, page. Folks, thank you. Yeah, and cool. we're done. Let me know when you achieve that this side of the eschaton and and I'm there, man. Mm. So, let's let's just like wrap some things up. So, first of all, what's interesting to me is we're kind of a lot on the same page except that Josh <laughs> this just mean you you just seem I just feel like you don't get that sometimes force is necessary. Would you say sometimes force is necessary? Yes. Okay. You just don't want to deify those that use it. 
Yes. Okay. I, I Listen, let me make this clear before we continue this wrap-up. I absolutely respect any individual who willingly puts their life on the line for someone else. That is it. That is brave and it is bold and it takes courage. Okay. Secondly, in no way, shape or form do I hold any kind of actual malice or discontent toward military service personnel. Okay. I just think that the culture that tends to from, from people I know who have served in the military and subsequently law enforcement, the culture that surrounds it can tend to deify violence and aggression in an unhealthy manner, if I can say that. I guess I wouldn't disagree with that. <clears throat> and, I, and I would also say, too, because of the link between uh, military and Christendom in, in particular and politics and how they're all kind of wrapped up, we a lot of times... Uh, spend maybe more time or effort or or attention on that in the church when what I think I heard from you guys was, you know, and, and I believe so too, that in the church is a place where we should be, we should be focused on one thing and it, and it's Christ. And so everything else kind of gets in the way. And there, there are other times and other places and other ways to, uh, to honor, to honor those that had, that have made that sacrifice. Yeah. And I think that's fair. And I, and I guess that would be though, where maybe Josh and I would draw the line where I'm comfortable honoring those that have done that at the end of a worship gathering, like mm -hmm. to Josh's point, I, I do think it would be confusing to do it during a worship gathering to make it somehow a sacred thing to do, I guess. Uh, but to do yeah, it I, afterwards I think because yes. it's a gathering of people that happen to be together, I kind of just feel as a leader in a community, right? So functioning with that hat on as a leader in a community of people, mm -hmm. that it makes sense to me to say, all right, we've got people here that have done this. This is part of our, our national identity. Let's recognize it. Yes. I completely agree on both, on both fronts. All right. All right. Hey. Incorporate it within the sacred space of a worship service, I think is, is confusing at best. Yep. Yep. Um, but then Yes, as pastor in your community, if that is incarnationally making the most sense and shepherding making the most sense, then yes, do that. Yep. Like I wouldn't, like I wouldn't. Wait, wait, wait we should if, stop right here. We all agree. Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> just, just stop. Yep, yep, yep. Awesome. Well, friends, we've uh, entered into conflict and have resolved conflict. So look at us. And it didn't involve violence. So everybody That's Because wins. we're all in different rooms. I would this have punched is... at least one of you. Yeah. And we are in different states. It just wouldn't work. But I would have uh, just put my hand in your upper thigh and uh -oh. made a covenant with you, Tom. And that would have calmed things down very quickly. Tom, have we ever done an upper thigh covenant with you? No, not with no, Tom. I... When we get together in October, boys. Yep. I can't all right. wait. All right. This has been Point Class Preachers for today. We are out. Uh, have a great day. Happy Deuces. Memorial Day weekend.